0: This is the after party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. Look at that. 105 on the dot. That's right. That pleases me as a producer.
1: Well, I'm glad that I could please you. I live to please (laughs) and serve you, John Daly. The
0: hardest working woman in YouTube. (laughs) I've never seen anything like this. In the
1: YouTube universe. Woohoo! Well, happy Tuesday, everybody. Is it still raining out there in some parts?
0: Uh, it probably is. Um, I know the power's still out at my family's cabin. It's been out since what day is today? Tuesday. Uh, yeah, six. it's been out mm-hmm. since today is the 7th. It's been out since Sunday. And they don't think it'll be um, brought back online until tomorrow. So that's a total of what three days.
1: Oh, wow. I know
0: it's that's been out for in the past. I think last year or the year before it was out for like a week.
1: That's a long outage.
0: And there are people oh. who live up there. Can you imagine being out with, without no. power for like a week, week and a half?
1: Yeah. Yeah, there are some people who have been without power for a couple of days. It's—I was saying this earlier. It's like it's kind of a fun adventure at the beginning when your power goes out. Ooh, let's turn on the candles. Ooh, yeah. let's uh, hang out as a family or until lo- your whatever. freezer thaws. Until your freezer thaws. Until <laughs> then, it becomes not so <laughs> fun <laughs> anymore, <laughs> and everyone's like, <laughs> "Can we just go back to normal now?" Because this is annoying. Yeah. Well, Nobody before we go that. back to
0: normal, we need to thank Wes T for a $5 Wes, super sticker. Thank you, Wes, as Wes, always.
1: you're the man. We appreciate you. Best, and man. you know who else we have to thank is uh, Angel in the Bay Area, who right at the close of the show yesterday slid in with a $30 super chat. Wow. Really, really kind. Right at the end. Uh, the and wrote, Angel wrote, catching the show live is not always easy for me. So here is some from the best motion graphics department of the uh, the <laughs> ex- Exiles Network. The, we do have a lot of pictures on the show. Yeah. yeah, thank you to Angel in the Bay Area for that. We really appreciate it. Sometimes if you put it in like right at the end, it takes a second to pop through and the show's over before we see it. But we'll always thank you the next day. So yeah, thank we're you for like, that.
0: Uh, Kim's clicking on things and I'm clicking on things and mm-hmm. there's a lot of clicking I, you when know what you I love YouTube about film? our
1: show one of the not to the clicking not, not to brag oh. <laughs> one of the things I love about our show is that we have the I don't know you selected this this is all you John Daly
0: oh I like this so far where is this going
1: I know this is good right so um let me get pick a okay I'll pick this from Walter see walter walter's big w there you picked the the graphics that have the big picture here's bw with you can see see the big picture yeah you can actually see what's in your so i love that and so at the end of the show if you guys don't know this and you maybe you click out before but everyone kind of puts in these goodbye messages and so we we kind of take it a little bit longer with our our exit. And, you know, we put some extra pictures up there at the end. So we can have a chance to show all the goodbye mess- messages and see everyone's pictures. And I really like that about the show. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. But the yeah. reason we have blue is because Kim likes not just blue, but all the blues.
1: I said something nice about you and you have to pick on me again about That's the blue. It's not a
0: bad thing. It's a funny oh, thing. Or
1: he said, what color do you want it to be? And I said,
0: it's still blue. funny. It's still funny because I
1: what color blue? I said all the blues. Yeah, but all look at the, the background.
0: Look at the background. It's literally all the blues uh undulating for your well, pleasure. You know
1: what I was trying to do as I was when when we did the party, I was thinking beach theme. I'm very right. like a beachy person anyway. I was and confused s- at
0: first. I'm not so gonna lie.
1: He's like, What do you mean? What kind of blue? I'm like, Well, you know, all the blues of the ocean, all the blues. And he's like, I don't, like a like a Cute. I don't understand that. Julie with a five dollar super sticker, thank, thank you. Julie. you. I appreciate that. I saw your message earlier about you writing in all caps, and I—I have never seen you do that. I—do you think I was—I'm—I'm, I'm, uh, in error in doing this? I kind of corrected someone, who
0: kept chit, chit, chit. writing
1: in, chit, 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 kept writing in all caps, and I gave him a yellow flag. Was that a little too strict? Do you think? No,
0: that's fine. Now you give yeah. them warning. Yeah,
1: them a warning. I give I mean, it's—it's
0: it's been. I mean, since the beginning of the internet, it's been pretty clear that writing in yeah. all caps, unless you're a newscaster. Yeah. And in the news world, uh, most people don't know this. Everything's written in yeah. all caps for legibility purposes, right? Right. And um, sometimes you text your friend who's a newscaster, and or you're emailing, and they have <laughs> their computer the, permanently it's, it's yeah. permanently set on caps yeah. lock, and you're like, "Why yeah. are you yelling?"
1: Yeah, And like, "You're not. I'm not yelling. It's my no, news." But it's
0: pretty universal that yeah. all caps is. Uh, I think
1: so, and I think yelling. it's very it's disconcerting rude. when you look in the chat and there's someone who's writing in all caps and it's like whoa are you doing that because you want yours to stand out over everyone else's or like what's the thing but it wasn't necessarily a a nasty message and those are usually it comes with a little
0: cray cray yeah (laughs) anti-vaccine or yeah mag of this mag of that um but anyway i wanted to quickly mention (laughs) i did something stupid this morning
1: jt says my boss only types in all caps that's annoying oh man oh
0: man uh, I want to mention something stupid I did.
1: What did you do? I like that. I like
0: to bri- bring attention to things that are dumb. Um, so I'm listening <laughs> to the Mark Thompson show. Yeah. And I go to brew my coffee, and I have a new K-cup machine because I don't want to waste coffee. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to find the K-cups that are compostable or not recyclable. And they say they're recyclable, but I'm a little suspect. But that's another issue. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a good way to just have one cup of coffee. And I brew my coffee, and I'm listening to David K. Johnston. I'm like, Yeah this coffee is really weak. Like, this is not good. Like, what's Uh-oh. going on? Did I get a bad K-cup? And I go back and I realize, oh no, I brewed the K-cup from yesterday that was still in the machine.
1: Oh, you forgot to take it out.
0: I forgot to take it out. So I ran hot water through a used K-cup. Was it bad? And... Oh, oh yeah. I mean, if oh. you're a coffee person, you know, like- <laughs> It's um, a one
1: serve, it's... one time only usage, huh?
0: yeah it's it's not like tea where you'll still because yeah, i'll use a
1: tea bag absolutely no
0: this tastes like you know somebody threw the coffee in the in the sink and it's you know the disposal water
1: oh, um gross. but yeah
0: anyway i realize i need coffee before i brew coffee
1: <laughs> that's funny huge thank you to jim slayton my <laughs> profile picture should be a lot easier now until i change it again i see only two dogs there this time oh wow that's cute very cute with the fall leaves i love it <laughs> thank you for the five dollars we appreciate B-W-Rux's, that ha
0: ha ha the clear water was your first in. actually no because it's pete's Pete's is a really dark you know it's a dark roast yeah. it actually was brown but you know, like if you looked at it in the light you're like okay this is not dark enough but yeah, yeah. There, midwest thank coffee you. <laughs> so.
1: oh midwest coffee is that what that is where it's a little thick a little oh but Mid- you said yours is runny like uh you know not thick it was clear right
0: um, it was like brown colored, but it wasn't yeah. as dark because, uh, mm. like a dark roast from pizza it's like a you know, it's almost it's not black, but it's very dark. Very yeah.
1: Dark. Well, Indeed. speaking of, uh, I guess speaking of nothing, speaking of animals, which we weren't, <laughs> uh, let's go right to our animal news. A that's dog a smooth transition. Thank you, Ken. Yeah, yeah, this is really there's a that's worst a transition Daly, of all times.
0: That's a John Daly transition. Yeah. That
1: was a what did she do? A dog has been rescued from a shipping container in Texas, and you wonder what this little dog was doing in the shipping container in Texas. But yeah, maybe I could say I can relate it to uh, to Jim's picture, right? And, and, and right. transition that way. Uh, too late. A team of U.S. Coast Guard Marine inspectors ended up coming to the rescue of this dog who was trapped inside a shipping container and had been trapped in there for at least a week.
0: Oh, yeah. Man.
1: Do we have video of this yes, guy? Yes, we
0: do. We have a report. Let's check it out. And now to a surprise rescue mission at the Port of Houston. Coast Guard workers there were inspecting some shipping containers when they heard barking and scratching coming from inside one of them. That's the little one who was inside right there, a dog named Connie. That's the name they gave her. She had been trapped in one of those containers for more than a week without food or water. Amazingly, her rescuers say she appears to be okay, though. They believe she may have wandered into one of those containers before it was loaded. Connie has now been turned over to an animal rescue organization where uh, she looks like she's uh, smiling and happy and doing just fine. No doubt has gotten a lot of food and water. She is now up for adoption.
1: Yeah, they heard her scritching, scratching and barking from this tall yeah. container stack. Thing. Can you imagine when they lowered the container and opened the door out? She pops. Uh, the dog is believed to have been trapped in that container for at least a week. Crazy. The container originated from the Houston-Galveston area. It had been filled with totaled cars that were destined oh. to be shipped overseas. I was hoping
0: you were going to say snossages.
1: They couldn't know they call her. Did they say this in the piece? They call her Connie because it's short for the container dog container oh, no, Connie. Yeah. Oh, so cool. uh, she's placed now with forever changed animal rescue. She was underweight. They were treating her for heartworm and they say she'll be available for adoption when she's back to health. She's a cutie.
0: Very cute and a survivor um, to boot quickly. Walter says, My W is there because I don't know how to put in a picture. I think oh. this, um, the photos that are in the that show up are based on your Google profile. So if you go into your Google profile outside of YouTube and upload a photo, you know, as your profile picture, that should translate, transfer over. Yeah, I think I have that right. Um, Maybe we
1: can do some research on it too. I don't know if there's an, a way to click on the W and then add a picture. There's a way to Google know. it there's google it <laughs> yeah
0: i think if you just go into your your google profile and then go up into your you'll see you'll see a place to put a photo um this next photo or this next story is also uh about animals yeah and it is a sheep <laughs> but this sheep is caught running loose on the on the mean streets of brooklyn Uh oh that's right Um, A sheep has a new home at a New Jersey sanctuary after being found wandering the streets of Brooklyn. The New York Police Department said on social media that the sheep was spotted running loose in a parking lot near a Costco in the Sunset Park neighborhood. Um, Officers wrangled the sheep and took it to Brooklyn Animal Control. Not bad for a group of cops with no experience (laughs) shepherding a sheep, police wrote. The sheep was taken to a new permanent home at Skylands Animal Sanctuary. Look at this. Look at this, baby. Uh, Mike Stura, president and founder of Skylands, posted a video to Facebook showing the sheep being transported to the sanctuary in the back of his truck. Uh, Stura said the sheep, dubbed Lynn, uh, did not have any tags or any uh, identifying marks. The origins of Lynn remain unclear, but she uh, was found in an area near multiple slaughterhouses. Aww. Oh, God. Um, and I like watched like Lynn that... made a
1: break for it and actually yeah, I succeeded. I watched
0: the video, and um, he estimated that she's about six months old. Um, oh, wow. But she's a cutie.
1: yeah Yeah. that's sad and yet good at the same time yeah Yeah. this next one i think we can play the video while we talk about the story because this is a one about uh firefighters rescuing not one but two deer that fell through the ice on a michigan lake we've seen this type of rescue before can you hear me okay yep. okay good uh look at him out there trying to get to these two deer you can see him out there uh this now, happened i only in...
0: see one of the deer in the video but maybe it got cut out. i
1: see their two little heads right there bobbing yeah, watch... up and down
0: i only seen them retrieving one unless one's maybe one's already
1: oh no like, well this in happened there. in plainfield township in michigan Two deer fell through the thin ice covering this frozen lake, so they rolled out there. When the two deer were spotted stranded on the ice, covering uh, Ver- Vers Louise Lake at Vers Louise Park in Grand Rapids the video of the rescue shows firefighters using a rescue hovercraft to that's reach cool where one. the deer were struggling in the very cold water watch this
0: going right through the ice boom boom boom, boom, boom. Ooh, crack
1: it all up the deer yeah. were brought to shore where bystanders from the nearby waterford condos helped dry them up and warm them to prevent hypothermia so the people on the shore were waiting with blankets that's so sweet i'm glad they made it and they very did cool. they said both of them made it so that's good
0: very nice and that yeah. is our animal segment unless
1: you consider your ex an animal
0: oh yeah filthy animal i love how everyone's getting on board with this now a company is offering (laughs) to scrap your ex for valentine's day that's right a car scrapping company in britain is offering jilted exes the chance to send former lovers to the junk heap for valentine's day (laughs) scrap car comparison announced its quote scrap your ex program which will allow people to have cars named after their exes before being sent to the scrap heap offering a unique form of cartharthi- cartharsis. <laughs> say that one time past. For anyone who that has recently gone through a breakup, the Scrap Your Ex scheme is open for a limited time to anyone worldwide who wants to trash the memories of a past relationship or even nominate a friend's ex that deserves to be junked. Anyone seeking to have their ex scrapped for Valentine's Day simply has to put their name in an online form and explain why their particular ex-lover deserves to be uh, in the dump. Because car- he
1: sucked! <laughs> Each car
0: scrap. He was a promotion. cheating,
1: lying bastard. Squash him.
0: It will have the uh, the chosen's ex's name written on the chassis, as you see on this car. The person who nominated their ex for scrapping will receive photo- photographic evidence of the deed. Unfortunately, all of us uh, will likely have been through a breakup at some point in our lives, and we realize how hard it can be to get over and move on. We hope by providing this unique form of closure, symbolically scrapping an ex, will help people leave their heartbreak behind for good according to the operations manager for scrap car comparison hmm compare uh, the car before it's smashed and after it's smashed
1: imagine how angry you would have to be to buy the uh the at the cat cafe the card of with a picture of your ex to have right. the cat poop on it right uh and then to buy a roach to have the roach fed at the zoo to an animal right and then to scrap to, to buy the car, the old scrap metal car, and have that—you got to Yes. That. Yeah. You know what? Whatever makes you feel better.
0: That's you know okay. what? Smash. If you're in Britain, you should probably smash it with your iron rod.
1: That's right. That's right. Uh-oh! World record alert. Mmm. Oh, no. We got that's an eleven-year-old who has broken a world fingerboarding re- record. Fingerboarding, Sorry. you ask? What the yeah, hell what? is that? It's a Guinness World Record for the most. Ollies on a fingerboard in one minute. It's like this story was written in a different language language I'm like, what's a fingerboard? what's an ollie? a fingerboard is like a little skateboard that you play yeah. with with your fingers, right yeah. and an Ollie is a skateboard trick right this is what I know. So Julian, of Chesapeake said he was introduced to fingerboards, miniature skateboards designed to be manipulated by the fingers by his friends. And then he found YouTube videos where people were playing with fingerboards. He said, I started trying to do tricks on them and I picked it up pretty quickly. He said, I would fingerboard just about everywhere I would go, at school, during lunch, at home, and even when my mom forced me to go shopping with her and my sister. There I was fingerboarding. So he decides to challenge the Guinness World Record for the most ollies on a fingerboard in one minute. The ollie is a certain trick where all four wheels of the board leave the ground and then come back down to land. Okay. So he successfully breaks the record with 128 ollies in one minute. He said he is considering taking on more fingerboarding records in the future. So he's uh, he's embarking on a new journey with his fingerboarding.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Congratulations, Julian. Congratulations, Julian. Uh, We all have to, you know, uh, work. Have a claim to fame. Yeah. Work towards something. Right. That's right. Um, And another uh, city in Virginia has this to claim. Milk spill turns Virginia Creek almost completely white.
1: It almost looks like snow or ice.
0: Yeah, kind yeah. of weird. Firefighters in Virginia determined the cause of a creek turning mysteriously white. Uh, it was a clogged drain that led to an overflow of milk. The Lynchburg Yikes. Fire Department said in a Facebook post that crews responded to a 911 call about the a creek near hendrick Street. You know where that is. That turned almost completely white in color. Investigators soon determined the white color was due to waste milk from Westover Dairy Plant. Department yeah. said a clogged drain, at, uh, a line at the plant led to the milk overflowing into a storm sewer and making its way into the creek. The clog was cleared and the overflow stopped, firefighters wrote. The, the Post said local and state water resources officials were informed of the incident. Uh, the department said there's no public health threat f- uh, from the waste milk. And mm-hmm. I guess in this case, 2% is okay.
1: I guess so. <laughs> uh, you know, when somebody wins a lottery, I always hope it's somebody who really deserved it, right? Somebody right. who's either going through a tough time, didn't have a lot, or would do something really good with the money, like help and not others, these people right? who win
0: multiple times. Come on.
1: I know. Well, a group of school employees won. one Only $1 million to split between all these people. So I think they got like 25 grand each. But uh, <laughs> interestingly, they hid their $1 million dollar Powerball ticket In a math book, this is a group of 30 current and former workers at a Kentucky middle school. They scored a $1 million Powerball prize with numbers that they have been playing for years, and they hid the winning ticket in a math textbook. They're current and former employees from Rector Jones Middle School in Florence, Kentucky. They've been playing the lottery together for years, and they've been using the same set of numbers since 2019. They say we all taught at the same school at one point or another. We've got counselors, administrators, special ed teachers, the school nurses, even in on it. Some have moved on or retired, but we still continue to do it. And we've remained friends for all of these years. So the group's organizer <clears throat> discovered the ticket for the January 27th Powerball drawing was a million dollar second prize winner and stashed it in a math book, saying, No one looks in a math book. I knew it'd be safe there. <laughs> Page 200, I've checked it a thousand times. The members of the group say they're numbers were chosen at random, but they kept playing them, right? Our math teacher and assistant principal pulled them out of a hat. Those are the winning numbers. At first, we didn't have the right amount of numbers to choose from, so we drew again. Thank goodness we did. Each member takes home $24,000 after taxes. Not quite, you know, when you hear a million, it's like, ooh, what'd they get? Yeah, 24 grand. That's not enough to retire on, but winners say their plans for the prize money include investing, home repairs, and travel. They say a lot of us have gone on trips together. We've had babies and grandbabies over the years. We always have so much fun and it's cool just as a group to share that experience. So well done.
0: Very nice. Happy lottery like, winning. we like money to go to good people and yeah. people who are underpaid. Love like it. teachers. Um, meanwhile, in the city, I don't know if you remember the story about this bike lane on Valencia Street. Yeah. They, they realigned and they did something which we've never seen anything before. The yeah. problem with when, you know, the city's always trying to innovate about traffic and make mm-hmm. things more efficient. But the problem is when you change every street so that one street has lane alignment, you know, on the left to go right. straight. The other one has lane alignment on the right to go straight. There's a left turn. There's a, So it gets really confusing. There's some streets where you're just kind of like weaving back and forth just to go forward, right? Mm-hmm. And in this case, people are not used to coming upon this. There's two lanes of bike lane, right? One in each direction in the middle of the street So they have to enter in the middle of the street right in the intersection. It's very confusing. People were not happy with it. Um, Well, change may be on the horizon for one of these most contentious public corridors. The uh, San Francisco MTA is considering scrapping the Valencia Street center bike lane after its 12 month uh, pilot period ends. The center bike lane, which runs two lanes of car traffic was designed to protect cyclists on Valencia Street from dooring and double parked cars. Valencia had one of the highest collision rates in the city, according to SFMTA. But Mm -hmm. even before it officially opened in August, the lane was unpopular. Cyclists called it unsafe. Restaurants and uh, shops claimed that the bike lane was hurting business by eliminating 70 parking spaces, although city data suggests the lane's effect on business was negligible. Signs popped up in shop windows along the corridor saying the the bike lane is killing small business in our vibrant community. As some businesses and cyclists called for a bike lane, the bike lanes removal, SFMTA remained committed, stressing that it was working with merchants uh, without budging on the center lane. Since the bike lane was first constructed, they've converted a few loading zones into parking spots. But now, for the first time since its inception, SFMTA appears to be seriously reconsidering the design. Uh, The agency is uh, floating an alternative plan protecting uh, side running bike lanes, um, you know, putting something protected on Mm -hmm. the side instead of the middle. In this design, bike lanes would be situated between the sidewalk on one side and parking spots and floating parklets on the other. Floating parklets are common in New York and can be found on Telegraph Avenue in Oakland, but they're more complex. Um, I think that's probably a good idea. It's just confusing. I think it's dangerous when you make something floating so different.
1: Parklets, par- so those parklets, sometimes I look at them and I think that there's gonna, a car is going to plow right into that. And way. they have.
0: Yeah. you know i know people that have been in a parklet um there are people that have been killed in a parklet and um yeah. i won't sit in them if they're on a major street like mm-hmm. market street like no i'm good yeah you um, gotta look but,
1: at some of those on broadway i'm like oh i don't know if i'd be in that one yeah yeah
0: because they're they're not you know they're not constructed with to withstand that you know obviously the force <laughs> yeah. of the crash <laughs> they're, but, i mean um, they're
1: plywood right it's like what do you you Yeah, yeah and they're or, right in the middle of the lanes of traffic
0: yeah. So I think the city needs to chill out on these, you know, completely different designs because as a, mo- as a motorist approaches this, especially people who are not familiar, um, when it first opened, you know, um, I didn't realize you can't turn left and you can't turn right for a long stretch here. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming northbound. Say so I, I, I think this is northbound. I'm going northbound. I'm trying to get home. I'm on the left of this, right? Mm-hmm. I had to drive all the way halfway down to where those buildings are in the back just to get somewhere so I could turn right, turn right, turn right. Um, so all those people caught in there are burning more fuel. And a lot of the city is like that, right? You yeah. get caught where you you can't get to where you want to go without you know going in circles and waiting in traffic and burning more gas. So I just think that's counterproductive. So I'm glad yeah. that they're considering removing that.
1: A um, square says parklets have outlived their need. I would argue that there are some areas where parklets are cool. Like there are parklets along the Petaluma River. There used to be parking spots. And now it's an outdoor area that's really fun.
0: Well that it's makes sense cuz it's away from traffic. Street. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean it it's was like and a, it was wasted space. It's like an space. alley
0: basically along a yeah. river.
1: Right. And it used to be that um, it was just parking spots and the river view was taken up by the parking spots. Now it's a great spot to be run on the river outside. And and so that works there. But there are other spots, like in Petaluma, there's a a Mexican restaurant that has a parklet on Kentucky Street. And it is monstrous and huge. And it takes up, like, I don't know, quite a a bunch of room. Some of them make sense and are in the right spot you know, and some of them don't. There's some other parklets I've seen in other cities where there might be a like a walkway that isn't on a street, but they'll turn it into a parklet out there. And it's right. it's perfect, perfect area. It just depends. Well, but I think in, if there are places
0: yeah. where we can turn our downtowns into a more vibrant, more like European kind of, yeah. you know, town center, um, we may not get the cobblestones, but to have like outdoor seating where where it's sensible and feasible I think right. that could be a draw to bring people out. You know, it's it's one of the highlights of going to Europe. You know, sure. all these places, the restaurants, you can sit outside. It creates an atmosphere, right? It makes it into a tourist destination. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's let's. Uh, I think we need to be uh, intelligent about where we put these, and that and if we don't need them for COVID, then yeah, if we don't need them for COVID, then they should be a little um, more judicious in yeah. placing them. Yeah, I don't know. Perhaps every six months, as Laurie says. We'll put Lori uh, in charge.
1: We, I, I'll take that. Put her in charge. Absolutely. Let's go to these tiny, tiny, tiny tornadoes. I thought the story was pretty interesting. This is about how germs and pathogens spread from plant to plant. Oh. And so one particularly bad pathogenic fungus for plants is called rust. It's not like that rust that, you know, is on metal. That's a different kind of rust. But it has a similar bright red orange yellow brown color that you can see right away on a plant uh it can also wipe out crops including wheat and barley so it's a bad bad deal when you get rust on a plant Mm -hmm. it is airborne like covid and it spreads to healthy plants by way of cells called spores and how the spores move around well that understanding that is how they think they can Save the plants from getting these diseases. You would have so, been
0: a g- good school teacher. I like, me? Yeah, I'm like engaged right now. I'm oh, well, to I'm this is this Mrs. is good. M- Mrs. McAllister.
1: I have the right job. No, Lori's <laughs> the teacher. I'm not the teacher. But what they did, these researchers, is they used these high-speed cameras. This is all published in the Science Advances journal. They analyzed how the plant spores are dispersed and what they saw when they put these cameras on the plants is that tiny little tornadoes spread pathogens from infected plants to healthy plants. When a raindrop hits a leaf, a wheat plant infected with rust, the leaf will flutter, and create these tiny swirling vortices of air that spread the spores around like virus particles in a sneeze or a cough, they can then infect the healthy plants. This is a study done from Cornell University. So understanding this, they say, could be a step toward developing a strategy to help cut down these pathogens from viruses, bacteria, and fungi from spreading to a plant's leaves, maybe putting some type of barrier or border where these little tornadoes of, of, of spores can't get from one plant to another, you know, if you put some type of barrier up. So yeah, they, the team can even pre- predict the trajectory of these spores and how they'll be carried by the swirling cyclone-like vortex created by the leaves. Interesting. I thought it was interesting these tiny little tornadoes that we don't even see happening all around us
0: yeah that is very cool yeah do you know what's not cool Uh oh finding this in your garage what is it nuclear missile
1: what <laughs> what? what do you mean <laughs> what was it next to the christmas tree the christmas box
0: a rusting <laughs> rocket discovered in a man's garage in washington state is in fact an inert nuclear missile Please Why do have, you said. have that. Authorities contacted a man in Bellevue after he called the Air Force Museum, offering to donate a military-grade rocket mm. that belonged to his late neighbor. He said the neighbor had bought the item from an estate sale. Bellevue Police Bomb Squad technicians said the Douglas uh, Air to Genie, an unguided air-to-air rocket that is designed to carry a uh, W twenty-five one and a half kiloton nuclear warhead. <laughs> they said there was no warhead detached. That's good news. And there was no danger of an explosion. That's also good. Seth Tyler, spokesman for Bellevue Police Department, said the device was basically a gas tank for rocket fuel. Um, How do you told get the,
1: that? I don't understand.
0: Through an estate sale. It's very easy, Kim. Oh. <laughs> um, he told the BBC the event was not serious at all, adding that our bomb squad member asked me why we were releasing a news release on a rusted piece <laughs> of metal. Mr. That Tyler says... said the museum did not appear to have warned the man that they had reported his offer uh, he said that the inv- individual in question was not expecting a call from us and was extremely irritated by the mer- media coverage. Um, well, you're welcome. <laughs> Mr. Tyler added that the, <laughs> he was gracious enough to let us have a look at it. Uh, police determined the item was safe and left it with the man to be restored for uh, display in the museum. We think it's going to be a long, long time before we get in a call like this again. Uh, the genie was the first uh, nuclear armed air-to-air weapon it was said to be the most powerful interceptor missile ever deployed by the U.S. Air Force. production of the Genie ended in 1962. Isn't that insane?
1: Oh, man. Good callback, Walter, by the way. Why didn't you go polish your rocket? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. um, But it's true. Karen wants to know who's a state, really? Like, where?
0: Uh, Yeah, Vladimir, like, Putin's friends. Um, Here's another photo. You can see uh, the base What in the world? I could see why you would be concerned if you, like, saw that. Right. Not knowing. Oh, if you're not very concerned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would be like, what is happening in your garage? Yeah, I guess that'd be a great uh, Halloween display on the front lawn.
0: Yeah, it's like I offered it to give to the museum. Thanks, museum.
1: My dad has a nuke in the garage. Really? <laughs> As Miss Organic says. Huh? Yeah.
0: Well, do you want right. to be good and in two seconds take a break here since we're on time today?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. We have Travel Tuesday coming up. Stay tuned because I'm taking you on a beach tour. Woo-hoo. all the blues are coming your way
0: <laughs> we'll be right back hey everybody it's your friend satan
1: love me or hate me the after party live is underwritten by our audience and without you this show wouldn't be possible if you could contribute 10 15 20 dollars 666 dollars it would keep this party very very hot and heavy. Any dollar amount is appreciated and it all adds up, isn't that the truth? The PayPal link can be found in the about section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. I know what you're thinking, why should I be tempted by the devil? But come on guys, it's not like I'm asking you for your soul.
0: (laughs) A party where you don't even have to leave the house. You could be naked for all we care. The After Party, live yeah
1: that's well, right. somebody
0: suggested that satan sounds a little stoned does he that's true he sounds baked. Right. you know what well, do you want your satan to be peppy like upbeat or do you want him to be kind of like slow and nefarious
1: i think he i think he's got a, a humorous edge to him that okay. i enjoy i have to thank our ongoing contributors jim s and karen k huge jim thank you s, jim karen s and k. karen k for supporting the after party live we really appreciate you wes theory super sticker, always coming through for us. Wes, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Julie slapping down a $5 super sticker. Thank you for being here and and participating in the show, Julie. And thank you for the the contribution. Jim Slayton, again, $5. My profile picture should be a lot easier now until I change it again. Well, thank you, Jim. We appreciate it. We are a
0: small show, small budget. So every contribution is a big portion of our um, revenue to make this work. So thank you to each and every one of you.
1: Yay! So, do you want to do? What do you want to do? Go back to the stories for a while, or travel Tuesday, or what are you What's your plan of action?
0: Why don't we uh, go to Travel Tuesday and then uh, mm-hmm. continue? If we uh, get through that, then continue on.
1: I like it. Tell me about Jamaica and the Bahamas.
0: Well, but first.
1: Oh. It's Travel Tuesday. Oh. Don't forget about me, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take you on a tour of beaches. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna bypass you, Mockingbird. You little oh, sweetheart. How dare you, Kim?
0: <laughs> okay, so our first story is uh, about Jamaica. Uh, yeah. And you remember there was a travel warning about Jamaica and the Bahamas, mm-hmm. right? So Jamaica and the Bahamas have both responded to the U.S. travel advisories uh, that were issued by the State Department, noting increased crime in both countries. The Jamaica Tourist Board said the crime rate against visitors to Jamaica remains extremely low at 0.01%. Uh, that Tourist Board uh, from Jamaica also noted that the State Department's update to its travel advisory reaffirmed the nation's Level 3 designation, which has been in place since 2022, and that they are v- very distinctly, uh, there are very distinctly defined areas within Jamaica that are advisory cities that have high r- risk for crime. So the majority of the island's tourism product, I love that they say tourism product, uh, remains unaffected. The island consistently ranks among the top destinations for international travel, welcoming 4.1 million visitors last year, including 2.1 million from the United States. Visitors can continue to come with confidence to enjoy all that Jamaica has to offer. I could see how they, you know, you know, they're concerned because it's their livelihood. And then the Bahamas Mm -hmm. Ministry of Tourism said in a statement that the level two travel advisory has not changed. And the incidents described in the January 2024 U.S. Embassy crime alert do not reflect general safety in the Bahamas, a country of 16 tourism destinations and many more islands. The government of the Bahamas is implementing a robust and innovative crime reduction and prevention strategy. This comprehensive uh, approach is informed by the latest research, research, and successful international models focusing on uh, five key pillars, prevention, detection, prosecution, punishment, and rehabilitation. So they have a lot of buzzwords going in 2023 the bahamas welcomed more than 9 million visitors calling the number a significant milestone for their nation so wanted to make sure we uh we represented both sides there right all Jamaican and right. bahamas wanting to have their say
1: so the lonely planet folks are out with their list of the best beaches in the world and we love a good beach here on the after party so i thought to myself maybe most of us will never get to all of these beaches but that is okay, because with the list and the pictures, now we get to take a virtual tour, and it's so much fun looking. So let us head to number one on the list of number the world's one. coming best in at number beaches. one. It is called the Pass Byron Bay, New South Wales, Australia, and here's a picture of the pass. That is one of the the, according to Little Lonely Planet best beaches in the world. The swell is good. They have a right-hand point break that turns the stretch of pinkish cream, pillowy soft sand, into a surfer's paradise it is at the most easterly point on mainland australia uh cape byron doesn't matter if you're a pro or a novice with the board the bay they say has something for everyone a lot of people take lessons out here at the pass byron bay new south wales australia what's really funny
0: is i I did the east coast of australia but australia is a very large country it's like the Mm -hmm. united states so you can't get everywhere and um unfortunately byron bay was one of the places i had to skip i skipped that section but uh,
1: Um, I'll
0: have to go back I like to leave you know leave a place to go back to so right yeah
1: that's cool it's a pretty picture it's interesting this beach you know I love when a beach doesn't look like you you know the beaches around here or like you think a tropical beach should look Mm -hmm. like right. It's just it's an interesting looking beach, all right.
0: Especially at that angle. Um, Before we move on, you know what else is pretty? Contribution from Beth Farmer, twenty (laughs) dollars. Thank
1: you. What a gorgeous sight!
0: Thank you. That is
1: really really nice. (laughs) We appreciate that so much. Okay. I appreciate it too, Beth. Shout (laughs) out. Next one. That's really beautiful. Look at those mountains. This is number two on the list, and this is. Ipanema Beach, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Yes, it is renowned for some astonishing sunsets that locals frequently applaud Rio's Ipanema Beach. It's a 1.9 mile stretch. It has numbered lifeguard chairs marked for different markers of the beach, I guess. Um, Posto 9, located off Rua Venecias de Moraes, is the go-to spot for the fashionable crowd, attracting the young and the beautiful, the artists and the hippies. Uh, So you get different uh, lifeguard chair numbers that's where different people congregate. There's an area where the gay community gathers. There's a Posto 8 where the kids and the families gather. Everybody has their own little thing. Right. Posto 7 is where the surfers gather, Posto 10 is where you find volleyball, soccer. So everybody has their little area where they congregate. You know, it's good, it's all good. Number three on the list is in Thailand, and this beach is called Aomaya. Yes, look at the water that color yeah, is amazing oh so fun it is only 49 feet wide and 820 feet long Maya is a slip of a beach hidden by limestone cliffs um it was used though in the setting for the movie the beach in 2000 starring oh, leonardo this is near, dicaprio
0: this is near where i stayed actually mm. we were going to go we were on a boat trip to go around here Um, But the water was too rough, so they were not able to take us to that beach.
1: The movie made this tiny little beach so popular that 6,000 tourists a day traipsed through Aomaya. And the influx led to a buildup of trash, damage to plants and coral destruction of wildlife. So they closed down the bay in 2018. They hoped it would recover. It had to stay closed until 2022. Now it has reopened, better infrastructure, better protections. Um, Swimming here is prohibited, though knee-high wading is allowed. Boats can't anchor in this bay anymore. And only 375 visitors can visit in hourly slots. But they say it's still worth it to go out there because it is so, so pretty. So this
0: is near the island of Kopipi where I stayed, Um, PHI, PHI. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's um beautiful even the beach is there and when you land they have like a um garbage cleaning tax like you have to hand them cash as you land off the boat oh really and um they say it's and it's funny because there's still garbage everywhere and they're like yeah it's kind of like every every island's controlled by a family so it's like you're gonna pay your tax and uh we may or may not clean up the island
1: that is so fascinating so they right when you get off the plane or when you walk out oh, no, to the when beach, you're off or to what? the boat
0: so we're going from the mainland oh. and you arrive there everyone has to hand over cash to so interesting for the All cleaning right. the cleaning fee kind of like airbnb where they charge you but they don't actually clean yeah uh before we move on to the next beach we need to thank louise five dollars i vote for big beach Big and McKenna. beach and little beach um, yeah mckenna McKen- on my yeah.
1: My sister got married at those beaches, so beautiful. Little They can be a little rough, um, and they had some shark sightings out at Big Beach, I think. But yeah, definitely worth going out there to, to Maui on the um, Kihei Wailea side. Very, very beautiful. Thank you, Luis. Thank you very much for the contribution. This is Mnemba Island, Zanzibar, T- Tanzania. Uh, they they say after a few action-packed days on safari in mainland Tanzania, Menemba Island acts as the perfect retreat. Only accessible to guests uh, of the And Beyond Resort, which sleeps 23, this gorgeous white sand beach is like your personal coastal paradise. So indulge in long walks, enjoy some of the best scuba diving and snorkeling around. But you've got to stay at that resort we'll probably oh, never do it. So we have to enjoy the picture instead. And yeah. there it is. Right? There we go. Um, the next one number five is in Greece. It's Sarakiniko on Milos. So here is this beach, this Greek beach. Wow. Ooh, look at that. That is so interesting. Again, not like a beach that I would ever have imagined or pictured how beautiful is that stone. This is, uh, again, Sarah Canico Beach, they say you'll need to bring all your supplies here because a set of sun-bleached volcanic rock that dips into the small, deep turquoise stretch of the Aegean Sea, the arresting views and cooling waters make make up for having to rough it. Centuries of wave and wind erosion make the rock formations at the beach dip and arch, creating caves to explore and alabaster cliffs to jump off of. Oh man, take me there, vacation! Yeah, it is Karen ranked
0: saying thanks for taking us on this trip, Kim and John. Refreshing,
1: <laughs> isn't it nice? Uh, ranked among the best loved beaches in Greece, it's we're we're going here virtually at a perfect time as it rains and storms and is gray outside here right in California. So yeah, all right, I'll go on that. Those were the top five. But I'll throw a couple more in here. This is Chesterman Beach, Tofino, Vancouver Island, British Columbia, in Canada. And here it is. That's pretty good. Um, They say a lot of people come there to surf. But the views will take your breath away from misty mornings where the fog comes off the soft sand to fiery skies in the evening as the sun dips below the cedar trees. You could really spend all day there. I could. I could absolutely spend all day there. Number seven is Cabo San Juan del Guia. This is in Parque Nacional Natural Tirona, Colombia. There you go. Oh, yeah, that's nice. That almost looks big ringed by the rainforest the golden sands and coconut palms of colombia's caribbean coast are picture perfect especially cabo san juan del guia guia it's located in a national park that stretches along the coast from tagagna near Santa Marta to the mouth of Rio Piedras, 22 miles east, covers about nearly 30,000 acres. And uh, it is a very coral rich sea area. They say it's a little bit of a hike to get to this set, um, this area right here that we're looking at. Um, It's enclosed by rocky outcrops, but they say it's well worth it. It's popular with locals and tourists. And if you wanna wake up to the incredible view, you can rent a hammock or a tent or one of the very few cabins surrounding the beach. They're rented on a first come, first serve basis. So you've got to arrive early, especially in the high season, which is December and January. It is like a painting. So beautiful. Oh, man, love it. Very
0: nice.
1: I'll stop there. Otherwise, I could go on and on because the list goes on and on. I mean, because Kim wants one is- all
0: the beaches. In, all, as well as all the blues. All the blues, all the beaches.
1: <laughs> but yeah, this is Lonely Planet's best uh, list of best beaches if you're interested. Oh, I might have to just show you one more. Oh my god, it's so pretty. We'll skip a couple and we'll go to number 11 on the list.
0: Coming in at number 11.
1: Coming in at number 11. I have to show you one more. Punta Rata Beach. Brela Makarska Riviera. This one is in Croatia. I've never been to Croatia. I think you have. Yeah. When I think of Croatia, I don't necessarily think of a beach that looks like this.
0: Yeah, and most of their beaches moly. are jagged. Most of their oh. beaches are jagged and like sharp rock. So when you find a beach that's, you know, presentable. It's I'm kind telling
1: of rare. you, like what a dream. Yeah. It's like is that even real? Yes yeah see is. how the
0: rock there in the back is kind of like it's a, it's a jagged stone yeah. like stone like that's what most of the coastline is like mm. uh, but there are islands which um i've heard are really really nice they're kind of like party islands and i mm-hmm. had to pick and choose where i went to so i didn't go there but um you know who's probably been there hmm. meet this 79 year old oh Let's get her up there um her name is luisa yu and uh she has achieved her goal of traveling to every country in the world And she told Good Morning America, it's been a dream come true. Wow. Louisa Yu says that ever since she was a young girl in the Philippines, she's always dreamed of traveling. When I went to the movies, I saw this beautiful backdrop about the scenery, nature, the rivers, the mountains, and it fascinated me. That's why I always thought someday I will go to these places and travel. Uh, She said she came to the U.S. as an exchange student when she was 23 and began traveling um, when she could. Uh, I started in the U.S. because of my status. I couldn't go out of the country. So I decided to take a Greyhound bus and tour the United States. Greyhound was the best because you could just hop in, and then the next day you're in a different state. After working in the medical technology field, you embraced a second career as a travel agent, so she would have more flexibility to take time off. For the past five decades, she's traveled everywhere that she could, from European countries like Italy to Asian countries like Thailand, and further to African countries such as Libya and Middle Eastern countries like Iran. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eventually, she says uh, she decided she wanted to visit all 193 countries countries that are a member of the United Nations Uh, even though some places were considered dangerous I said I think I can do this I want to see these places with my own eyes because there's a lot of history and culture that happened here Uh, she said of her motivation Uh, there they said you're gonna have to come to Serbia because uh, we will be flying you will be very close to and we're going to celebrate your last country she recounted Um, little did I know that when I arrived they were already um, having all these preparations for me it was a big surprise Oh, that's cool, so her last country was Serbia. Uh, Nomad Mania, I recognize you as one of the two people from the Philippines to become a UN master, someone who has traveled to all 193 countries. I didn't know that was a thing, a UN master. Uh, After visiting so many countries and meeting countless people along the way, many of whom have become her friends, you said she's learned we're all more similar than you might think, and that's Mm -hmm. what I learned as well. Um, I have seen things from different people, their lives and their cultures, I've learned a lot, and I find that everybody is like us. They have a dream for a better job and a better opportunity, and uh, most of them are very, very kind and very helpful for anyone else who dreams of traveling. You encourages them to take the leap. I always, t- I always tell people, don't be afraid. Go out and travel. Don't wait for anybody, because if the opportunity comes, it might never happen again. Just be yourself. And also, if there's a will, there's a way. Nothing's going to be impossible. You just have to go out there. I love so, that
1: picture of her. That's beautiful. Isn't that cool?
0: Yeah. Um, You know, what's crazy is for all the traveling I've done, I've realized I'm so far behind her because I think I lost count. I need to go back and count my countries. I'm somewhere between 50 and 60 countries, but there's 193. (laughs) It's so exhausting, Kim.
1: But that's just the ones that are the members of the United Nations, right? Yeah.
0: I mean, that's basically, I mean, that's probably enough. I don't know technically there might be some there's like places that are under dispute but like really yeah. do you want to go into all the war-torn areas no or, or no no that's the other thing to consider do you want to go in the yeah. places that are dangerous or there's a lot of disease yeah i don't know
1: That' a cool thing or is that your new goal
0: i don't know part of me like my the ocd part of me wants to but then the other part yeah. of me is like That's really expensive. Don't get too crazy. I also don't want to do like, um, I don't want to like breeze through places too fast and not appreciate them. Sure. So it's a a balancing act. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously a very first world problem and very privileged problem to have, but uh, I do like travel. Mm -hmm. Um, So there will be more in my future. That was the whole reason for Travel Tuesday, right? Yeah, that's why I save up.
1: Well, here's a place for you to go. This is in Japan. And they're trying to get tourists to go to certain towns Mm -hmm. that... Are undervisited, so what? They thought. Well, what do we have here that could attract people? We got this castle. That's kind of cool. Well, all right. How do we get people to come to the castle? How about if we invite them to live a day in the life of a feudal lord? Well, that'll do it. This Japanese castle town, Otawara, Odawara, O D A W A R A, Odawara, Japan. Um. Is inviting people to do just that. Come to Odawara Castle, and for a day they dress you up like a feudal lord. They give you swords and everything. They ask that you keep the swords in the sheaths.
0: <laughs> you should tell Mark about this.
1: Right? Really? You think he'd like it? Oh yeah.
0: He can but be they, a feudal lord for
1: a day. They do. They set you up. They they um, they say you walk out as you're dressed up like a feudal lord and all of a sudden people start treating you like your nobility. So they have historical actors, like reenactment actors that they've hired to be you know, mm-hmm. all, over, all over the castle. And when you walk out in your feudal lord suit, everyone's like, oh, look at who's coming, right? And so if you're very important for the day, and everyone's treating you differently, and it's this whole thing, and you're taken around the tour of the castle all because Odawara was selected as one of the first recipients of a government assistance grant to tell its story, and local tourism authorities were busy devising initiatives to play on its strength. They said, given the history of this town, And a very imposing castle, it made sense to give visitors an insight into Odawara by making them lord or daimo of the domain, costumes included. And they're hoping this campaign will put Odawara on the map and encourage more people to visit and to come stay overnight and come see it. Uh, They say it's usually seen as a gateway to more well-known destinations like Hakone or the Izu Peninsula, but there are a lot of things to see and do in Odawara. They say we have great history. We think making visitors daimo for the day is a unique way of sharing that. And the, the article goes on to talk about the experiences people had going there doing you know do, taking part in in this experience or kind of excursion if you will and how uh how cool it was and how much they learned and and actually um gained appreciation for the culture that maybe they didn't have before yeah.
0: and it's not too far from tokyo it looks like it's southwest yeah. of yokohama which is just south of tokyo so it's not that far if you're yeah. in tokyo um that'd be a good place to, take, to go um jim lu saying 193 countries in u.n so not taiwan yeah, I imagine she probably's yeah. been to Taiwan as well, but yeah, that's a good point. Um, Lori on that same st- same story. Good for her. No real interest in those countries with long histories of extreme anti Semitism. That's the other mm-hmm. thing. Like and currently I'm not going to Iran. And like I have no desire to go to Saudi Arabia or anywhere where like women don't have rights, you know, that kind of thing. So it's like those would be on hold.
1: <laughs> I'm sure there's beauty there. I'm sure yeah. there's some beauty in Afghanistan. Yeah, Mecca is beautiful. I'm sure that there are places and, and history and art and parts of a culture that I will never see or know because I'll never go there. But I just don't feel like, I don't feel like there's an empty space in my life where I'm missing out.
0: Well, I think for those countries, you can watch the DVD for now, yeah. you know. Watch the DVD. <laughs> and focus on the other places. PW um, <laughs> Rock saying, Afghanistan is lovely this time of year, John. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll skip that. Um yeah, I don't want to go to any like war torn border area. No. you know, it's just not worth it.
1: Anywhere where they could say you're American, that means you're going to jail and we'll contact the embassy. I'm out.
0: <laughs> if there is an embassy in Iran, there is yeah. an embassy. Oh, that's scary. Not anymore. Yeah. Um, so that's Travel Tuesday. No. Yeah. No, there's Travel more.
1: That's Travel Tuesday.
0: What about the bad reviews? Oh, that is kind of a travel story. Originally it wasn't in Travel Tuesday, but yeah. I will allow it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this yeah. next story. Uh, yeah, this kind of rolled over from, I think, yesterday or the day before. Yeah. Uh, this was in SF Gate, and it's kind of funny. Why California's national parks love a viral bad review? Uh, <laughs> so bad reviews can torpedo a business, but if used correctly, they can also be a marketing machine. And not many organizations are better at making viral comments and bad behavior funny, friendly, and informative using social media than America's beloved national parks. It doesn't take much to find reviews begging for a viral moment on TripAdvisor. Take John, for example. He shared this uh, gem in May 2014 after a recent trip to Yosemite National Park. Thanks for nothing, Half Dome. <laughs> Among thousands of stellar TripAdvisor reviews, John's one-star abomination isn't exactly exactly helpful or, or accurate. The same goes for Ramina, who said Yos- Yosemite's iconic tunnel view wasn't worth the traffic. I, do, I re- didn't really understand <laughs> what everyone was staring at, she wrote in 2016. Uh. Of more than 3,000 reviews, her write-up of the so-called, quote, okay, sightseeing stop stands alone. It's TripAdvisor's only one-star rating of the tunnel view. It's not just Yosemite on the uh, wrong end of uh, the comments either. Further south in the Sierra Nevada, Sveta wasn't terribly impressed by Sequoia National Park. I have this one here. Um, this place stinks like a urinal and is super oh. crowded. TripAdvisor <laughs> user, uh, user, another one, had similar thoughts about the less-visited Pinnacles National uh, Park uh, saying, uh, this is a bad blemish on the National Park brand and reminds me how everyone now gets a participation participation trophy. Seriously, there are nicer parks in the Peninsula Open Space District. Yeah. Um, <laughs> check that one out. Joshua <laughs> Tree National Park. Uh, dang, those are some really ugly trees. Or those are some ugly trees, said one reviewer, giving the star... Uh, giving the park just three stars. Beauty's in eye in the uh, in the eye of the beholder, of course. Um, here's that other one. This is a bad blemish on the national park brand. Reminds me how everyone now gets a participation trophy. That doesn't look bad to me. That looks pretty. Right? Yeah, um,
1: I I saw one that someone was complaining that um, there's bugs. Yeah, because it's a park and you're outside. There's right. bugs. Yeah.
0: The other thing at Joshua Tree, the question they get, um, number, the number one question they get is, "Where's the tree?". There oh. is no the tree. There's lots of them. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, we can point people to where the tallest Joshua tree is. For the record, the tallest Joshua tree in the park is about 40 feet tall. It's nicknamed the barber pole. Um, Quote. We kind of incorporate that in our understanding of how beauty is in the eye of the beholder and how things can change, especially if you come to Joshua Tree for the first time and you've not seen anything like it in your life before. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you seen these? I like these. Some this Mm -hmm. artist uh, makes these like national park style uh, posters with the bad reviews yeah so this one is on the left is golden gate national recreation area and it just says only fog and then the Arches national park on the right here it says no looks nothing like the license plate these were real complaints that people yeah. put on the website yeah, that they turned it's into only posters. fog
1: yeah. it doesn't look anything like the license plate yeah <laughs> oh okay
0: so that's that's funny so oh. that's an F- sf gate if you want to read that and um that list of beaches you had that was lonelyplanet.com that was right? lonely people planet want, mm-hmm. if people want to go back and look at the whole list
1: yeah. Terrible. It's worth it. It's just, um, if you, if you want to like check out for a little while and just zone out on beauty, you know, maybe yeah. dream about pretend you're there while you're looking at it. That's kind of what I do. Yeah. Cause I've never gone on vacation. So I just kind of live, live online, my online vacation. How sad Happy is picnic. that? You know, have a
0: great day on mm. the beach. That's yeah. our extended
1: version of uh, Travel Tuesday. Thanks, Kim. Well, I have one more Travel Tuesday. Oh, are you going to stuff another one? Yeah. You know, it has to end at some point, Kim. I have to go home. <laughs> What's this? Uh, this is a hotel room, a sexy hotel room, right? Looks pretty good. So, you- apparently, there. Are, thank you. There are filthier things in your hotel room than the bedspread, and they are not what you would expect. So, uh, you know, they—you may have heard—don't ever sit on the bedspread. Like, peel it down first and sit on the sheet. Especially at Motel Six. You don't even know what's been on the bed Allegedly. or what people have done on that thing or how. And I guess that the common thought is that the bedspread is the thing that's washed the least. A lot of hotels now, though, if at all, a lot of hotels have um, duvet covers that are like sheets that they take off or something that they untie and wash sure they to. Do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sure Allegedly. they do. Right
0: if you well, worked around anybody who's overworked and say mm. they had like 200 rooms to change do you really think they're doing a thorough job on every room mm, no probably no, given don't. too much work right they have to find corners to cut let's just be real
1: something else you probably have heard is yucco in a hotel room the hotel remote control right oh, yeah. and some hotels now even even have little plastic baggies over it to show that they have cleaned it and I guess, I don't know if you're supposed to take the remote out of the bag or keep oh, it in the bag. I think a lot
0: of places they have it sealed, like a uh, plastic sealed, you know, like, you know, you can seal the plastic over a product. So you just and watch then the, they, they'll, the they'll rip down. it off and put a new one on when the customer leaves. Yeah. In theory. Um,
1: I don't really watch a lot of TV when I'm in a hotel room. Yeah. Usually I'm just kind of in the room to sleep or maybe, Same. you know, maybe we have room service, but we don't watch a lot of TV. We kind of have a family time in the hotel. But. Right. Um lamp switches they say and that's another thing i don't usually think of it i just reach over and turn on the light turn off the light whatever but lamp switches they say maybe those those things aren't cleaned often either Um, the coffee pot in the hotel room. They say it can be really gross because you don't know when the last time they cleaned it is. Not just the pot itself, but the filter where the ground coffee and the water is going can have mold in there. So they advise if you still want to brew yourself a cup of coffee, but you don't want to worry about how filthy the machine might be, they have a hack you can prepare before leaving home. Take a kitchen sponge, Fill it with soap and let it dry out. Then cut it in pieces and just bring one of those pieces with you so you can resaturate it, right? Then the soap comes out. It'll be soapy. You can clean the glasses in your room. You can clean the coffee pot in your room if you want to. Something else. After reading this, I don't think I'll ever use the ice bucket again. All the high-touch surfaces in the hotel rooms with Clorox. Yeah, me too. Thank you. I agree. Thank you, Heather. Um, This one is gross. Listen to this, Heather. I'm telling you what. They say don't use the ice bucket ever because people use them to vomit in all the time Mm. and they aren't necessarily being cleaned like who cleans the ice bucket. So if you're going to use the ice bucket, use the plastic liner bag provided by the hotel or thoroughly wash it out with that little sponge you just brought from home because ew.
0: I don't know you... why I visualized Charlie Sheen, but I did for some reason.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> tiger Blood winning.
1: Yeah. Uh, so you know, think about your hotel when you go I'll walk in there, and you think, "Oh, this is a really nice room." What's dirty? And reconsider using the ice bucket. John That's Watson I says, say. "I was
0: in a hotel in Mexico City, which turned out." The locals uh, turned out the locals called the Love Hotel. Some of oh. the rooms came with their own jacuzzis and had stripper poles. Oh,
1: well. Speaking of Charlie Sheen, that's called Germ City, is what that's called. The Love Hotel, Germ City. Bar and bar bar. Bar. thus concludes Travel Tuesday. Aw. Mockingbird? Yes, uh, Travel Tuesday is now adjourned.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Mockingbird. Um, nice. Want to move on to the bar scene? Um, oh yeah, yeah. We're we're almost out of time. That's why I usually keep the travel stories to four. But you know what? Kim oh, gets very excited and she shoves us extra and stories. But we my, love them. They're my, good.
1: My, my beach thing went long. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I just got so say, excited I didn't want to say that. You know? I don't, yeah. yeah. But,
0: um, the bar. <laughs> we'll just do this quickly. The bar scene. Maybe dying Gen Z wants to drink their wine at home, not as uh, not yeah. just staying in at home getting baked. You yeah. know. Um, Could drinking at home become the new night out at the bar? A new survey finds that two in three Gen Z wine enthusiasts opt for the comfort of their homes when it comes to drinking. The poll of 2,000 American adults between 21 and 26—I wouldn't really call them adults— finds that those who enjoy (laughs) wine, uh, only 23% would choose to go to a bar, and only 18% would opt for drinking at some sort of live event. For Gen Z wine enthusiasts, having a glass is an opportunity to be social, as hanging out with friends— Tops the list of activities they prefer to partake in while drinking, that's 64%, while 46% enjoy a glass on a date. Results also show that young wine drinkers prefer to drink with friends, 72%, rather than their partner, (laughs) 49%. (laughs) Um, On their own, 46% of those who enjoy wine also enjoy a nice drink with their meal, compared to just 37% of respondents who have a different alcohol preference. What inspires Gen Z to raise a glass? Um, The survey finds that nearly half, 48% of those who drink wine, do so for the sheer joy of having fun, while 47% drink wine to relax and unwind. Hmm. While much of Gen Z enjoys sipping a glass of wine, some prefer to reach out for other options. Uh, When asked why they don't drink wine, not liking the taste was the top reason, 27%, while others reported finding wine menus, um, uh, 15%, or tasting notes, 13%, to be confusing or intimidating. Uh, I can understand that. Knowledge gaps may also... Uh, be to blame for Gen Z's hesitancy towards drinking wine. Surveys, uh, The survey reveals that they are the most knowledgeable about vodka, coming at 38%, and tequila 37%, while fewer respondents feel well-versed in still wine, 49%, and sparkling wine, 19%. You won't often hear Gen Z critique others based on wine preference, though. Only 30% state that they would form an opinion about someone based on their knowledge of wine. Um, yeah, so there's no real reason to feel apprehensive when selecting a bottle of wine, says a spokesperson. Um, For the general, um, it's uh, of uh, unshackled wines. Uh, This is some kind of uh, wine uh, company. Uh, When deciding between red, white, rose, or sparkling wine, allow the occasion to guide your selection. As our study shows, Gen Z wine drinkers primarily select wine based on their mood and activity. Or simply start with what you know, 21% of Gen Z selected wines based on their go-to favorite. So... Yeah, it sounds like a lot of people they just want to they just want to stay at home and and drink some wine or something else and not go out. And I I found that to be true. A lot of the bars here are slower, and people I talk to the staff say that uh, a lot of the younger people they stay on their apps, they drink at home, or they go to live concerts. Mm-hmm. John you know, says it, that the, the drinks other are, are expensive.
1: John says the drinks are cheaper at home. Yeah. Plus, you don't have to worry about driving back home; you're already there. Right. So I totally get that.
0: Uh, yeah. Although I do like people watching and, um, yeah. you know, and going out and being in that social, loud environment. You're not going to meet
1: anyone if you're looking to meet someone, maybe. I don't know. Walter says, I like to drink alone, except when I'm with someone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there you go. Uh, uh, yeah bars maybe the bar scene may be slowing down or disappearing probably not disappearing. yeah but that's true makes sense well we have people to thank again
1: and we have to say if you can click your like button on the way out and subscribe if you haven't with show is growing we're so excited to see that happen so please click like and subscribe um and thank you thank you thank you to everyone who has kicked in and that includes wes and that includes Julie. And that includes Jim and Beth. Yay, Beth and Luis as well. Thank you, guys, for being so kind. And our ongoing so contributors,
0: kind. Jim S. and Karen K. Can't say it enough. Couldn't do the show without you. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Have a great afternoon, Kim McCallis. We'll Thank see you tomorrow you too, on a Wednesday Taly. edition of Hi the guys. After Party Live.
1: Bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.